You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are we doing this morning? Man, it's good to see y'all. Man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I've, been, I've enjoyed this series. I think it's been challenging for me, but I, I got to say, I just have a, a real passion about 2021. I'm really excited about what, what God's doing and what he's going to do. And, and uh, just so you know, there's a, there's a few changes I talked about last week. You know, we've implemented some changes. Uh, most of those changes are going to be for our online community. Uh, so you'll see some differences in here, but we are working towards some changes for our gathering, for our on-campus and in the next several weeks, let me just kind of, kind of catch you up. I mean, we, we started gathering in June uh, with pre-registration and things like that. And that was really just so we could manage numbers and kind of figure out seating and, and whatnot and keep, keep everyone safe. And we've kind of gotten a system in place where we, we, we know how to, how to do that better. So many of you pre-register, some don't. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing away with the pre-registration and, uh, and we'll just mitigate if we have weekends where there is more, we're, we'll have overflow environments set up and uh, because we have the technology now to have the overflow. So that, that'll be a change coming and uh, I'm excited about that. And so um, we'll still check in kids and everything and we still have a way to get information if we have uh, an issue in our children's ministry back to you parents. And uh, it, it just feels like uh, uh, I'm ready to make some progress, right? And, and so I'm excited about that. And um, just want to let you know that we've been in the series called Focus on our, uh, our mission, our vision for 2021, and really they're all centered around our set-ins. The set-ins is our vision statement. So the, the set-ins are to be set in relationship. What we want to see, what our passion is, is to see people set in a relationship. That's a salvation relationship, that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is Savior, and that we come to him and confess his lordship and we submit our life to him. That's, that's the primary reason we exist. I mean, our number one objective as a church, as the people of God, is to share this gospel, this message with the world around us. This message supersedes any other message that I can have. And it is the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Next, we want to see people set in family. That's the connection. That's really where discipleship happens. I mean, discipleship is a word, if you've grown up in church, you hear thrown around a lot like, you know, discipleship. But that happens in the context of family where we, we can work with each other. It's iron sharpening iron, and we get in environments where we can, be, we, we can have real-life stuff, and, and there's life happening, and, and we can be honest, and, and that's just, I think that's where growth happens. Uh, growth is hard like this. What you get is you get a head knowledge or an educational side of the gospel, but with the family aspect, you get an experiential side of the gospel. That is what is needed. That is what is transformational. Then we want to see people set free. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on that this weekend. And we want to see people set in motion. That means getting off your rear end and doing the work of, of the kingdom. I don't know how. I'm just, I'll boil it down to simple terms, right? We, it, we're called to be a people in motion. Gospel is movement. And we're called to be engaged in that movement. And um, this weekend, I want to dive into freedom because that's one that makes most people feel uncomfortable. When we go through our vision statements, it's like, I understand uh, salvation. I understand preaching the gospel and taking the gospel of the world. I understand the connection of family, and I understand going out and doing what God's called us to do. But this freedom thing, that's a little weird, and that's a little uncomfortable. And, and I think the, mo- the reason we most of us get uncomfortable when I talk about freedom, it's because we have to go back and deal with uncomfortable stuff in our past. Because here's the thing, can we all agree, we all have a past. We all have issues. 
We all got baggage. We all got wounds. We all got hurts. I mean, just this last night, I was several people I was talking to that, man, they just, that, that, that last night, man, the Holy Spirit really locked them in on some identity things that, that they'd been surrounded by their whole life. I mean, I spoke with one woman and, and she said, I, I, I really need this because all my life I've been dumb and stupid and ugly. And that's, that's, a, that's something that a family member said to her, you'll never understand because you're just dumb and ugly. And I said, you, you know that's not God's identity that, that he sees you, right? You, that's not how he sees you. She goes, I know, but it's so hard to get past someone that close saying something. She goes, I've gotten two master's degrees just to show that my family that I'm not dumb. And, and, and all of those things, all that work, it, it, just takes, it just takes an encounter with God, right? It just takes an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring freedom from that identity. And, and the enemy's going to wrestle with that, and he's going to work at it. And our past can be challenging. We've got wounds. And, and, and a lot of times people get freaked out because there is a demonic aspect to our past. That the enemy watches our past, and he, he's going to exploit it. I mean, you, you, think, you think you have a hard time forgetting your past. The enemy's constantly reminding you of it. Because he wants to speak an identity like, like, like dumb and ugly over you. I mean, even at a young age, when I, I took our staff through our freedom ministry, and before I, before I decided that, hey, I want all the church to go through freedom ministry, I went through it, and I took our staff through it. And we submitted into that, that ministry to say, lead us through this freedom process, the basics of freedom. And it was amazing because there were things that God was dealing with me that I, I, like, I was still carrying baggage from, from sixth grade, a bus ride home where kids were picking on me. And that stuck with me for a long time. I almost shared that. Yeah. And I love you as family, so you just don't need to know. It's like, how old is mom? I never know how old mom is. Uh, but we have to deal with some things. And, and, and I, I, in dealing with that, man, I realized that there were strongholds in my life where the enemy was continuing to exploit that. And, and we get all weird in church when we start talking about, you know, kind of, kind of demons and things like that. But remember, Jesus said, two weeks ago, we talked about this, right? When we, he said, we said, go, the set in relationship. Jesus said, go into all creation and proclaim this gospel, this message that Jesus is Lord and that he is the authority and that we have salvation in his name and we have life in his name. But he said, these signs will accompany you in Mark 16. He said, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. So there is a demonic element that we got we to gotta deal with. I mean, it's amazing. I was reading a study and that, that, that I think it was 40-something percent of seminary students. Okay, these are students. These are young men and young women in college to study the Bible to preach this gospel. And over 40% don't believe in heaven or hell and do not believe that the devil really exists. I, I, how do you study this? I mean, you can just read it. You don't have to dive in and study. You don't have to, you know, so many times people go, I just want to go deeper in the Bible. You don't have to go very deep to know that there's a heaven and a hell and that there's an enemy and that he's hunting us and that he is real. And we got to deal with it. We have to have the, the authority and the power and the ammo to stand against him. 
And that, that comes through Jesus. And in Luke 8, Jesus encounters a man with a demon. And, and we're gonna, let's, I just want to show you this process of freedom and being unbound. Jesus had just, well, they landed on the shore, where we're going to pick up in verse 26. They landed on the shore. But right before this, the disciples were freaked out. Because a great storm had come up on the lake. They were sailing in the boat. Storm comes up. Jesus calms the wind and the waves. So Jesus expresses his authority over nature. He shows the disciples that he is the one that the wind and the waves obey. That Jesus is the supremacy of God. Colossians 1 says that that in him, by him, and through him, that's Jesus, all things were created. That he is the firstborn among creation. Jesus is the word in John 1. Jesus spoke everything into existence. So when he tells the wind and the waves, peace, be still, they're going to obey his voice. And that freaked the disciples out. Anytime we see like this supernatural move of God, it freaks people out. I mean, even the disciples who were closest to Jesus, like, whoa, 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 who is this dude? Because the wind just listened to him. The waves just listened to him. This is weird. And so you got you to put yourselves in that boat, right? So think about it. You just saw Jesus do this, and the disciples are freaked out, and then they land on shore, and here's what happens. It doesn't get any easier. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons, for a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among tombs. Look at, look at, so, so they come out of this. The disciples are already freaked out, and then all of a sudden, they come up, they land on shore, and they got to be like, I'm so glad to be on dry ground. I mean, he calmed the storm, but that was just a weird boat ride. That's the weirdest boat ride I've ever been on, and I just, man, I was in the boat with God. God was in my boat, and then they step out, and here come the demons, and the disciples got to be like, whoa, I, 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 did, I, did I sign up for this? So Jesus is going to have an encounter with this man and deal with the demons. But what's interesting, look at what the enemy has taken from him. It says that this man had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, so he was naked. There's, an, there's a covering of shame on him. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have a look good naked body. And, and if I have to walk around, I'm going to be shamed. So he's living with an identity of shame. He had not lived in a house, but among tombs. There was relationships taken from him. He was living among death. The enemy had, had, had done a number on this guy. And so many of us, that's how we live life. We live life with shame. We live life among death. I mean, as soon as we draw our first breath on this planet, we're dead. Because we're born into a system that is broken, and that system just perpetuates until there's an experience with the power of God. And so this man comes and meets Jesus, and when, when, Jesus saw, when, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. This is the demon speaking. Even the demons recognize the authority of Jesus. I mean, this, so the demons submit, they fall at the feet of Jesus because, because as much as we like build it up and Hollywood builds up the demonic and things and, and just the infatuation with the supernatural is just, is, is, is phenomenally high. But when, when, here's what happens when Jesus steps on the scene, when the authority, when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is in the, in the room, all demons have to submit. They know who Jesus is. 
We don't, we don't have to go preach to demons. They know exactly who Jesus is and they know his power. Why have you, have you come to torment me now? Some, some context would say in some translations and other, other versions and other gospels would say, have you come to torment us before our time? They know there's an appointed time. They know that, that there will be a day of reckoning. There will be this judgment day, not just, not just for us as humanity, but there will be a moment when, when all of the enemy will be dealt with. And he says, if you come to torment me, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. And then Jesus asked them, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. A legion Get, get, get you some context, would be like a legion in the Roman army would be three to 6,000 soldiers. This dude had issues. <laughs> and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. The abyss is the bottomless pit you'll read about in Revelation 20. It's that moment where, where the reckoning comes and the angel opens, unlocks it, opens up the bottomless pit and casts Satan and his minions, his demons, into the, the, the bottomless pit. Where that's the appointed time. That's the time. That's where it's all going to happen. And they're saying, don't throw us in there yet. It's not the time. But look at this. This, this, this man, this, the, 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 the stronghold that was on this man was, was so powerful that he had an identity of shame, he lived among death, and, and, and he would be bound with chains because he would go crazy. How many of us are walking around just like that bound in chains? And it says that sometimes he could break the chains and get some glimpse of freedom. And he could get kind of things, he might get a couple decisions in a row stringing along in his favor, but then all of a sudden he was taken right back in and he was back bound and he was back living among death and the shame was even greater than it was before. That's, that's a cycle of our life. That, that's when we let our past, that's when we let the, the power of the enemy work through our past. And we need freedom from that. And Jesus is going to give freedom. Jesus is interacting with this dude. He, he's, he's, in, he's in a conversation with Jesus. He's having an interaction with Jesus, but he needs an experience with Jesus. He needs an encounter with the power of of God. This, this, Jesus is God in the flesh. It says, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the, on the hillside, and they begged, and the demons begged Jesus to enter these, so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned. And when I've, when I've talked about this before in, in discipleship groups, they ask, why, why the pigs? I mean, why does Jesus just can't command away? He wasn't going to command them in the abyss because Jesus knew the appointed time wasn't here yet. But he sent them into pigs. And then some people go, well, what about the pigs? I mean, you're going to see in a minute the herdsman had a reaction here, but what about the pigs? You know, here's the reality, guys. Jesus values this man over the pigs. And praise God he does because that means that, that what that shows me is that Jesus values you and I above other things. I mean, we struggle with our priorities of getting Jesus on the throne and getting Jesus in his rightful place, but Jesus never has trouble with that. We have struggle like, do I place the value of Jesus above my job, above football, above everything else? And Jesus says, I, I have perfect priorities, and I know where you rank with, with all the rest of creation. Then, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled 
and told it in the city and in the country. They were telling everybody. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were scared. Because they knew the man. This man had an identity. He had a reputation, right? I mean, we all know the people who have the reputation where if we saw them in, in, in a different state, I mean, if we saw them, if, I, mean, I mean, I hope you're not walking around. I hope there's not people in your office sitting in the, in, the, in the corner by the water cooler naked and chained up. I mean, if that's the case, where do you work? You know, it's time to update the resume. What is it, indeed.com? Indeed, you need a new place of employment. But if you were to see, if you were to see something, you see somebody who's gone through a transformation, and at first you don't really believe it. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I don't think they've really changed. But the, the change in this man was so visible, it freaked the people out. They were afraid. I mean, because now Jesus, think about what the disciples had seen. They'd seen Jesus show his authority over, the na- over nature, over the wind and the waves. And now they'd seen Jesus exercise his authority over, over the enemy, over the demons. And then the people come out, and they're, they're scared. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave, for they were seized with great fear. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, if I saw that, I'd be a little freaked out at first. But then I, you realize it was Jesus who did it. They tell him, Jesus, this, Jesus, this guy Jesus is the one who healed him, who, who cast it out. I mean, we, we, we saw it. We, we, we saw that transformation happen. Now, if, if, I put, if I put myself in their shoes, I don't think I'd ask Jesus to leave. I'd be like, hey, can you come meet some of my friends? Can, hey, can you come to my house? Hey, I got some people I want you. Look, Jesus, I'm just going to introduce you, and then you take it from there, okay? I'll just, I'll just make the intro and then, because, because I know they got demons. They jacked up. And a lot of us, that's how we respond when Jesus wants to move in our life. We like to press in and have the interaction with Jesus. And that's nice on a Sunday. That's nice on a Saturday. That we, we want to have an interaction with Jesus when we need something from him. See, we, our, our relationship with Jesus is a very transactional relationship. But when Jesus starts to move and he wants to bring freedom in our life, we get uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't go there. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Leave that, leave that alone, Jesus, because I got that working for me. It's not working for you. What you've done is you've found comfort in the shame. You found comfort among death. And Jesus said, look, I I didn't come to give my life for you to give you comfort in in this kind of bondage. Jesus said, I came to bring freedom to you. I came to give you life. I came to give you hope and reconciliation and and a way to get past your past. And then then the man with the demons, the man from whom the demons had gone, uh, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. There's a lot that I see in, in, in that little conversation with Jesus. First of all, Jesus was no longer interacting with the demons. He was interacting with the man. The man said, take me with you. These, see, these people, they want you to leave. I don't want you to leave. I got to go with you. I, I, you have given me freedom, and I want to walk in that. And Jesus says, go home and tell everyone. Now, what's interesting to me, he said, go home. He didn't say go back to the tombs. He said, go home. 
which, which implies to me that there was a home that this man had left, that somehow the enemy had destroyed those relationships and destroyed that structure and destroyed that, taken away that place of his comfort and safety and his, his place of belonging. But he says, go home. And Jesus restores those relationships. And he says, go tell everyone what I've done. And what, what's interesting when you see Jesus doing miracles when, when he heals some people, he says, don't tell anybody what you saw. Don't tell anybody what you've experienced. The, the difference in that, like, why is he telling this guy to go and tell everybody? And a lot of times he says, don't say anything. Because he's healing. When, when he heals Jews, this, this man was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. They had crossed over the Sea of Galilee into the country of the Gerasenes, and that was a Gentile area. And Jesus says, go, go tell the Gentiles what I did, because they need to know that Jesus is Lord. And this is a moment where Jesus' ministry starts to go out of the Gentiles. But when Jesus would, have, would perform a miracle in someone who was a Jew, whether it was a healing, a resurrection, he would say, don't go tell anybody. It's because the Jews were looking for the Messiah. They had the prophecies, and they were looking for the Messiah. And Jesus knew that if, they, if the word got around that Jesus was doing this and that Jesus is the Son of God and they really bought into that, they would try to crown him the king then of Israel. And Jesus says, I'm not just the king of Israel. I'm the king of kings. And they would try to elevate him. I mean, you see it in the triumphal entry. What they're looking for is a political Messiah to overthrow Rome. And Jesus said, my, my, my calling and my role is much higher than Rome. I'm, I've got my sight set on kingdom, not a country. And, and, and he, he, would, he was strategic in saying, don't say anything, because he knew they would take that message and start to steamroll with it and take the ministry in another direction, because that's not the way the ministry's going. But this man, he says, go and tell everybody. And the man, the man stays, and he does what he asks him to do. This man had an encounter with him, and he had an experience with the power. And what's powerful about this is this man could walk away in freedom, and now he could speak about freedom. That, that was, a, that was a, a component of his story, the interaction and experience with Jesus. And a lot of times we can have the interaction with Jesus and still have free bondage because I know a lot of saved people that still wrestle with their past. Like, yeah, eternity is secure, but you, you, you still live in the bondage. That's why we have a vision that God has given us as a church to see people set free. Look, my, my goal is not to just create converts and go here, get into heaven, get into heaven, get into heaven. There's a whole life involved with that. I mean, the eternity just doesn't start at the moment we draw our last breath. Eternity starts in our heart. And the, the, the direction and the destination of our eternity is determined in that decision with Christ. What do we do with Jesus? And then there's this life that he calls us to live out. And he wants us to live in freedom. He doesn't want us to live bound up in shame Death and, and, and let that, that, that be our identity. And, and we've got to understand some things about freedom and bondage, right? Bondage has a source. I mean, we have wounds and we have hurts from our past. I mean, some of y'all, like when I, when, I, when I talk about this, you can go back to elementary school. I mean, I, the conversations that I've had just about, about thinking like, you know, I, t- I had a, a long conversation about an abusive father last night. That this is difficult because I've given my life to Christ, but this is difficult, Matt, because all this is there at four years old. At four years old. 
Those deep wounds and those hurts and those emotional scars have carried her entire life. And, and, and the enemy is always watching that and he will exploit that. Here's the deal. There's some baggage from my past and there's some, there's some, there's, there is, there's a, there's downfalls that I've experienced that I can't blame on the devil because I did it myself. I got myself in those issues and I, I you know, I, I scarred myself, but the enemy will exploit it. He's always watching and he'll watch us, and when, and when we do something or something happens to us, whether we're in control of it or not, whether we do it to ourselves or someone else says something or, or anything, the enemy's like, oh, I'm using that. Oh, that's going in my pocket because I'm going to pull that out at just the right time that I can just get, I'm going to get you just beat down and so beat down because that is a goal of the enemy. He wants to use everything about your past to keep you in this identity of shame or brokenness or dumb or ugly or fat or, or, or just whatever he wants to put on you. And he will continue to speak that identity over you because he wants to keep beating you down because he doesn't care about you. In John 10, 10, Jesus is talking about the enemy. He goes, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's a purpose that he has. That if, he's, if, if bondage has a source and that's the enemy and he's constantly watching us, he's got a purpose in it. And a lot of times we'll get stuck in this and we get in this, 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 this shame identity. Just, we get beaten down and we'll get glimpses of freedom, right? We'll go, well, I figured it out. You know, if I just stay away from this or if I can have enough willpower, if I can just, if I can just be strong enough for long enough, then I might get past this and we get glimpses of freedom. Just like this man with the demons. Sometimes he could break the chains and break loose, but ultimately he ends up back in them. And that's the same thing with our life. Until we let the power of God change us, he's going to continue to do it. And the purpose of the enemy and the bondage that he puts in our life, listen, is to utterly destroy us, to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, he wants, to, he wants to steal your identity. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your purpose. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill relationships. He wants to kill connections. I mean, how easily he, we think, well, he's not going to give me, how easily he does that. Well, you hear something that's not even Truth. And so you just take that and go, well, that must be true. And then you let him kill a connection. You let him kill a relationship because he's lied to you and you listen to it. Ultimately, he wants you destroyed. He wants me destroyed. And it's not that he, it's not that he looks at us and go, well, you're so significant. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. What he wants to do is he wants to inflict pain on the father. You, you want to get me riled up? You jack with my kids. I mean, it's a whole new level. But here's something I've learned. You want to take me to an even higher level? You jack with my grandkids, baby, because it's on. You do not. I was on the phone with my granddaughter, and there was some trouble going on at preschool. I was like, I'll fly up there, and I'll handle that little four-year-old. I'll grab him up by the scruff of their neck and take him to mama and say, you need to fix this child. I, you know, you don't mess with my grandkids. I, I mm and as broken as I am, as sinful as I am, as imperfect as I am, if I get that riled up about my kids or my grandkids, don't you think that our perfect heavenly father gets even more riled up? An enemy knows that. 
But God doesn't have to get riled up. He, he doesn't, yeah, he's not doing what I'm doing. I'll fly up there. He just, he just gives a word, man. He says, done. I mean, ultimately, the enemy wants to take away from you all connection with God and the life that he has for you. And let me tell you something. If you're in the middle of trials right now, you got to get around some people that are going to speak truth into you. You may not like that truth right now. You may not want to hear that truth right now, but you need that. Otherwise, somebody is going to be speaking into your life, and the enemy will always make sure somebody's speaking death into it. The enemy will always make sure somebody's speaking shame over you. Well, shame on you. I can't believe you do that. You're just going to have to let that go. You're not going to be able to go back to that relationship. You're going to have to find a new job. Your family, you're not going to be able to go visit your family anymore. I mean, you're just you don't have to let it go. And somebody is going to be speaking. The enemy is going to make sure of that. So if you're in the trials right now, you've got to get somebody to help you keep from getting those chains on. But just as bondage has a source and has a purpose, freedom has a source. And Jesus is that authority. And Jesus does speak freedom over us. In John, 8, John chapter 8, he says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. He didn't say, if, 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 if I set you free, you, you'll be free for a little while. If I set you free, you might be free. He said, you'll be free indeed. That's a guarantee of freedom. And Jesus talks about it. He says, you, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is truth? Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth before his crucifixion? He was staring at truth when he asked that question. You want truth, you get to Jesus. You get to, yeah, how do I get to Jesus? Get in the Gospels, man. Look at his power over the enemy. Not just in this story, but over and over and over. I mean, we see the authority and the power of Jesus who is ultimately the authority. Even the demons understand this. I mean, you saw the demons. They fall down at the feet of Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would even write in James chapter 2, you, you believe and you do well with that? You, you, you're good. you think God is one and you believe in God? That's cool. But even the demons believe that and they shudder. The, look at that. The demons have a faith. It's not a saving faith, but they know the power of Jesus. Why? Because they were there. They saw the power of God. I mean, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I was there when all that went down. I know what went down. And, and we, took, we, we are the authority over them. He said, you're gone. And, and, and Jesus is the source of our freedom. He secured our salvation and freedom through the cross. But don't stop at salvation. Because there's other life. There's this whole other piece. It's an encounter with God. <laughs> when Jesus went to the cross, he broke the, he broke the bonds. And a lot of times, listen, a lot of times what we do is we just get to that decision point of Jesus. I mean, you ask people about, about family and church, like, are you, are, you, are you growing in your spiritual walk? Are you, well, I'm saved. Well, let's go back. First of all, how, how do you know you're saved? I mean, when I ask this question, and I'm not asking it to start an argument, but how do you, can you tell me how you're saved? Well, I grew up in church. That doesn't make you saved. Well, my grandmama prayed for me, or my, my mom was a Christian, or my uncle was a pastor. That doesn't make you saved. The only way you're saved is when you yourself bow your heart and humble yourself to this King of kings and Lord of lords and say, Jesus, I confess I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your life. I need your freedom. 
I need your hope. I need your reconciliation. I need your peace. I need your joy. I need you, I need you Jesus. That's when you're saved because all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And those who confess Jesus as Lord and believe that in their heart and confess that God raised him from the dead, he says, you're saved. It's not what anybody else does for you. You got to come to that moment. But sadly, so many people stop at that moment. And the mentality from that point on is like, well, I got eternity secured. I'm just going to wait here till Jesus comes and gets me. I'm going to find a church that... I can just sit in the rest of my life, praise God, and I'm moving on to a better home. My home, my life sucks right now, but man, it's going to get good when I die. Think of that. Well, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy it, but what did Jesus come to do? Same verse, John 10, 10. But I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. He didn't say life eternally. He knows that's happening. He said life abundantly. There's, there, there's an implication there that, that when we get saved, there's still this life that we live. And that life, Jesus said, I don't want you living like that. I don't want you living in that bondage. I don't want you living in that shame. I don't want you living in that death. I don't want you living in those shackles. Because I, cause, cause Jesus said, I paid for you. Yeah, I, I secured eternity when you confess me as Lord. I got you eternity. We cover with that. But, but man, there's a whole lot of life here. That I want you to do because freedom has a purpose. What did he tell this man? He said, go home. Okay, so there's a purpose we can identify freedom. It's reconciliation. And, and, and you might need to go reconcile with some people from your past by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says, go and tell everyone. Look, look, what I've learned is free people, free people. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Think of a, think of a prison break, right? Like somebody finds the keys to the cell and they start running around unlocking the cells. That's what we do in the kingdom of God. I got free. Here's the key. Let me help you. How did you get free? Jesus did it. And he'll do it for you. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. And then we start passing that on. It's that freedom. And Jesus said in Luke 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is on Jesus and he's anointed me to speak. Look at that. Liberty to the captives. That the Holy Spirit's power at work in Jesus brought liberty to the captives. The Holy Spirit's power in us, because in Acts 2, what happens? Jesus goes up, Holy Spirit comes down, he fills us, and then we now have that authority. He says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, you'll cast out demons. So in the name of Jesus, we take this message forward, and we see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Think about this man's story. I mean, I was bound. This was my life. I, I was naked. I had no home. I had been cast out from everything. I lived among death. And then Jesus came along, and everything was different. Why? He had to let him do it. I mean, what, what about your story? I mean, you know, uh, what, what's your story? Are you saved? Are you free? I mean, maybe the next chapter of your testimony is the freedom chapter. Where it's not just an interaction with Jesus, it's an experience with the power of God at work in your life. And you go, you go actually deal with the things in your past and do that in a safe environment around people who love you. I'll invite you to the freedom ministry for that. I mean, I have a vision of seeing over 100 people go through our freedom ministry this year. I want the whole church to go through it, but if I got to get you 100 at a time, I'll do it. Because I think everybody needs this. And it's not an event, it's a process, it's a life, because the enemy doesn't stop hunting you, so we don't stop 
standing up to him in the name of Jesus. And we don't have to get all freaky about when the enemy starts jacking with us. Look, it's not I need some holy water, I need an old priest and a young priest, and I need all this other stuff. No, it's simply this. What did Jesus say? Go. Go. In the name of Jesus, go. That's how it works. It's the practical step. Get involved with freedom. Take that next step of freedom. Stop living your life bound up. And have an encounter with Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. All the power and deity of God is pleased to dwell in him. Father, we thank you for for freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for hope that you did through the cross secure our eternity. That you said that if we believe in you and we believe that, that, that you died for our sins and that God raised you from the dead and we confess that with our mouth, that Jesus, your Lord, that we'll be saved, that we have eternal life. And we believe that. But we also see in your word where we have this life abundantly here now. And so many of your kids are not living in that. So many people are living amongst the tombs and and amongst shame and and brokenness and and, and emotional scars and physical wounds from even just, just physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. And God, I'm just praying right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you speak freedom over them, that you let them experience your power at work. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we command the enemy to get his hands off of people's past. In the name of Jesus, who is the authority, we tell the enemy, you must go. And the people that you are messing with right now, and you are wrapping up the present and try to steal from them, kill them, or destroy things, that right now, in the name of Jesus, the authority, you must go. Your word is simply true when you say we resist the devil and he must flee. That you are the authority. You are the power. You are a source of freedom, Jesus. You are hope. And may we as free people go share the message of freedom. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.